interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to Our Friendly World. Better, Stronger, Together. Good morning. Hello. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. You know, the sound of the ocean, the sound of ocean waves. I'm getting right into it. First, nugget of wisdom from Santa Monica this time. It's the sounds that I heard from Santa Monica. That was my lesson. I, as a small child, as you guys know, I talk about my mentor, Santa Monica, all the time. But as a child, now that I'm looking back on it, it makes sense. One of the reasons I felt so calm and taken care of. I think it was the sound of the ocean waves. What is it about that? It's it's like it's like the sound of shh, 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 like I don't know how that came across the microphone, but you know when we had our babies and the doctors would say uh that's shh sound calms them. Um on an extreme level they would say even the sound of a vacuum cleaner calms them. And I'm like, why? That is ridiculous. <laughs> and they would say it it could be the sound of just being in utero, right? Mm-hmm. All the all the pipes going, I guess. I don't know how how you describe it. But you know, the sounds of water. You're yes. in water, right? And so the sounds of the waves, I guess it's kind of like it it reminds you of a breath coming in and going out. Deep breath in, deep breath out. Matt, why are you looking at me like that? Stop it. Sorry, can't Do you help not it. understand what I'm saying? No, I do, I do. I mean, the ocean, it, it is life. It, it teaches you so much. Just sitting there, the waves come in, the waves go out and it's so powerful even if you're just there with your toes in the water like barely the water reaches your your ankles but you feel like your entire body will get sucked into the deep deep ocean when the when the tide goes out when the water goes back out it's a huge pull it's very powerful much like the sound it just made me it it was like a mother a a kind, loving mother or a parent shushing me and saying it's okay. (laughs) Shushing in a good way. Don't (laughs) laugh at me. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And so today I want to talk about, I call it breaking the sound barrier. And I want to talk about communication. And I wanted to talk about tone and sound. I'm now addicted to looking things up. Let me see. Tone. Let's look it up. Noun. A musical or vocal sound with reference to its pitch, quality, and strength. Two, the general character or attitude of a place, piece of writing, situation, etc. Much like you, Matt, you will say something to me and I will say, I don't appreciate your tone. Oh, and you dear. Don't, you don't understand and you we get into a fight over tone because you didn't feel like you expressed yourself a certain way. But to me, it was a horrible 
tone, but you didn't you don't hear it, but I heard it. <laughs> you know. Right, because I understand the intent behind it, but you hear only what is said. I, I get hear, it. I hear a nasty tone, not what you said, but like a mean tone sometimes. Right. And it makes a difference. Like even with email, right? You always say you can never hear a tone in an email. Right. You you don't know. It may sound nasty, but the person may have not had that intention. Right. Or the other way around. Right, exactly. Tone is a big deal. Okay, so the definition continues. A tone is the kind of sound you hear in a musical note or in a person's voice, live or in writing. Look at that. <laughs> so, for example, when Elle was born, I did not read to her Good Night Moon. I read to her the journals from Bruce Lee. <laughs> the different ways to strike a person, right? And then there's this other book that we have on all his athletic feats and his day-to-day, his journal on how to work out. And that's what I would read to, and she would go to sleep like that. Because the tone, it was about the tone. And I remember a long time ago when I was a kid, I loved black and white movies. And there was this really old movie back in the day when people wore hats and gloves. And there was a guy who was reading the newspaper to this newborn, and he was reading the races, like, you know how they would bet on horse races? Mm-hmm. And that's what he read. And I think that's when tone really came into my existence. Like, wow, look at that. You can read something like that and make it sound like a lullaby. It's all about tone and intention. Right, Matt? <laughs> yes. Abs- no, no, no. Yes, absolutely. I totally get that. As a matter of fact, yeah, just this past week, I rediscovered a musical artist who redoes actually songs, and I listened to some of them, and one of their remakes, it completely, using the exact same words, completely changes the tone of the song, changes the, the meaning of the song even, just by changing how it's performed. Exactly, and bear with me, because this will really come down to our friendly, by the way, welcome to our friendly world. Um, (laughs) By the way, (laughs) I forgot to introduce us, but you know, that is key. That is one of the keys with friendship, with creating a friendlier world is to really hear each other properly and to understand the undercurrents or the forces that you don't see, even with sound, with the forces that you don't hear, but you feel. I'm almost done with the definitions. Here we go. Um, So where does tone come from? So I'm really into the etymology etymology thank you etymology (laughs) etymology i know continue to the next word okay derived derived uh, now i can't talk at all (laughs) derived from tenos i hope i'm pronouncing that right okay some greek is about to come in do you know that it's uh it's derived from tenos and the tension of the string of an arrow bow and the noise that was produced when the arrow was shot. Th- so that's what tone, that's where tone comes from. Did you know that? I can, I can totally feel that. And then I looked up, like, what is sound? It's a sensation produced through the ears. Late 13th century from old French, S-O-N, son, sound, musical note, voice. From Latin, sonus, sound, a noise. The etymology of sound is derived from the Anglo-Saxon or Old Norse word sund, 
again, I apologize for my pronunciation, which also means swimming. <laughs> Did you know that? The word sund, S-U-N-D, is documented in Old Norse and Old English as meaning gap or narrow access. In geography, a sound is a large sea or ocean inlet, deeper than a bright and wider than a fjord, or a narrow sea or ocean channel between two bodies of land. That's interesting because sound is like the vibration and the land is in fact us. Do you know where I'm getting at? Like maybe we are the land, the water, the sound. It's I, I take it as a direct correlation to our connections as human beings. The sound, the water, the actual sound, the land, you know, the the interplay. Why are you looking at me like I'm sorry, I gotta stop looking at you. Why? Oh my well, god. Well no, I'm thinking. I'm just I'm drawing my own like connections and inferences, but Go ahead. Okay. Your eyes are scary. I know, anyway, but that's so anyway. my thoughtful look. All right. So here's where our super friend comes in. Michael Jolly is here, everyone. Please meet Michael. Michael, please talk to us because you are the expert. You, you bring in the metaphysics. You bring in sound, listening, consciousness. You're an inventor. I would say a scientist, you've, you've invented this amazing now, these discs that for three minutes give you a heightened state of meditation. I feel, um, I just got these in the mail recently. We, we are so excited. It's making our house completely buzz and vibrate in such a beautiful way. And it takes me right back to the ocean, which you know, Matt, I miss so much because somehow we're living in the middle of the continent and I feel like a ship, not a ship. I feel like a fish out of water. Like I am, I can't breathe. I need, I need water. Anyway, Michael, I'm sorry. (laughs) Michael, welcome. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to our friendly world, Michael. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. It's a very friendly reminiscence of Santa Monica. And the ocean also. Thank you for setting up my entry with, with some sound memories. Thank you so much for being here. We've been wanting to talk to you and we, we friends, we scheduled a little meeting beforehand and Matt refused to talk to Michael <laughs> because I know. So through, okay, so Michael, I met Michael last week at a convention or this week, I don't remember. And through Michael, we met Barry, who we interviewed a few days ago. We had such a great time. I was talking to Barry, and Barry was saying such amazing things about Michael, which I already sensed anyway, because as soon as I heard Michael speak at this convention, I was blown away, one, by his beautiful voice, but by the way this man speaks, he is an exceptional human being. I think... Matt. That's a pretty, you know, that's a, you're making a pretty high bar there. I'm sorry. But I think you guys are actually best <laughs> I aspire friends. to all of that. Let me, let me put it that way. <laughs> I think you guys are best friends. And so Matt didn't want to talk to Michael because he wanted to keep it fresh for this, for this, for this episode. But I'm going to let you guys talk now. <laughs> Go ahead. What she's referring to is just, I started like riffing and, and that's what happens when I connect with some people is all of a sudden it kind of generates 
different and new and, and glorious thoughts and, and attempting to re kind of invent that or have a, have that conversation over again can be problematic. So, so yes. Let's start from the Yeah, beginning. you want to have a conversation in the now. Exactly. <laughs> in the, oh, that's cute. In the now. You guys. These, Not in the know. <laughs> these discs are called the now. These, we'll, we'll get into it. You And we're going to have them in the show notes. When you guys go to the show notes, you can totally hear the experience. Three minute of tone meditation. Michael will describe it better, of course. Uh, Michael, can we start from the beginning? Can you tell us all about yourself? How did this start? How did you get into sound? Who are you? Tell us everything. Welcome, welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for the invitation, Fawn and Matt. It's uh, lovely to be here. I'm speaking to you from Tampa. It's uh, East Coast time here at this moment. I love these images of the description of tone and also sound and waves and water. See, I, mo- I came here from uh, from the island of Martha's Vineyard off the coast of Cape Cod. Separated, the two are separated by Nantucket Sound. Heyo. Uh, and I would take a, a ferry boat back and forth uh, a few times a week to go from the island to the, the mainland mm-hmm. on the Cape. And uh, the ferry boats, these ferry boats had uh, twin engines, and the, the two engines would come in and out of sync uh, with their, their sort of the, the throbbing of the diesel motors. Mm-hmm. So you'd get these pulsing, and you know, you get this and so those low frequency pulsations uh, can really move you into a meditative state because uh, that kind of amplitude pulsation in that frequency range helps set up what we would call an entrainment, uh, a brainwave entrainment situation where the brain recognizes those low frequency sounds as being something that's uh, pleasant, the kind of it's the kind of um, the, it's the, the kind of brain waves that are generated when you're uh, in an open monitoring uh, meditation, uh, or you're um, sort of gazing out onto the mid distance across the ocean. You find that you have more brain waves uh, in the lower frequency range, alpha brain waves, delta brain waves as opposed to the kind of faster beta brain waves that when you're having a conversation, you're solving a puzzle, you're doing something like that. So these, uh, so traveling back and forth uh, on the ferry, I was exposed to these very powerful low frequency brainwave entrainment frequencies. And then you could, I would very quickly fall into a relaxed open monitoring meditation. And, and that was through, through sound and, and the, the brainwave entrainment. But that's, that's recent history that's not my earliest memories of being in the fog when i was five years old yeah you mentioned that before what do you mean yeah what is this yeah, fog? When, when you said that it took me to santa monica because we had what was it called matt when we, the 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 it was, marine layer marine layer yeah so it was always overcast until mm-hmm. you got about a mile inland, which is not where we ever went. So we yeah. we mm-hmm. always had was so there was a big street that would go all through LA called Lincoln, and in our neighborhood we would even have T-shirts that said "Always West of Lincoln," a wall, "Always West of Lincoln," because on our side towards the ocean, like literally across the street from Lincoln, we had marine layer, and the mm-hmm. vibe was different, the sounds were different. The temperature mm-hmm. was a good 15 degrees different. 
And then you literally cross the street, this big street, Lincoln. And it was, it was, uh, this, it yeah. was the vibration was hectic. It was loud. And the right. sun was blaring on you. Right. I've never been to Santa Monica, but I've, I lived in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, the fog there is very predictable. It comes in every day. Well, in the hate, it comes in every day at 430 in the summer. And um, neighborhood to neighborhood, you'll have uh, a fog neighborhood or not a fog neighborhood. And each of those neighborhoods has a different um, timbre right? and feel. Um, yeah, so fog is fog's wonderful. So fog's, uh, you know, it's, it's a fluid, right? And it is fluid. Um, it's uh, f- nearly formless. So when we have fog experiences, we're experiencing something that is closer to the unformed, you know, the mystery, before things take shape in form, uh, which is, you know, so all forms arise from no form. And so having fog experiences, you can do this with a steaming cup of tea also. But having a fog, it's really nice because it's uh, very immersive, right? Uh, so having a fog experience like that can kind of bring us back to this primordial preformed time. And I think that's part of what we're recognizing in, in the fog experience is it's not quite in form yet. Yeah, and certainly when I'm in a fog, when I'm quote unquote like driving through a fog, you're you're much more introspective and you're much more cautious and you're much more definitely I'm in my head when I'm quote unquote in a physical fog, for sure. But also that's where the magic happens is in the space of the unknown mm, when there's yeah. no thing, no sound, no one. That's I think when you I mean scientists are now totally recording all this that everything manifests within that space of nothingness yeah where it's not formed yet mm-hmm. yeah it, there's a great um, allowing for inspired thought to come in if the egoic mind is running all the time if one, i know mine wants to run the show and it does a pretty good job no it does a good job of taking over from my essential self uh, it doesn't do a good job of running the show at all it, it messes things up um, but if we uh, if we uh, you know that uh, that allowing in the silence that, that you said stillness silence how would we want to nothingness and then allow for inspired thought you know um, I'm a uh, reader of uh, and have been for a long time of uh, a course in miracles and um marianne williamson love her yeah i i've never read her um her interpretation of it i know that she really popularized it in the 80s but i've never read her work um inspired by it but inspired thought and the course a course in miracles says that the the holy spirit doesn't speak first nor the loudest i'm I'm paraphrasing here Uh, i think what the course means by that is sitting in stillness and allowing stillness and allowing spaciousness allows the still small very quiet inspired thoughts to arise the quick response the quick to jump in finishing someone's sentence as they're speaking this is uh almost um you know, I interpret that as almost like an egoic need to be heard and to be right or to create drama. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. Um, but but stillness, you know, there was at, at this, the, the uh, Fawn, you talked about the, the uh, 
PodFest conference that we were at, that, that we met at, and there was a wonderful presenter, um, Raquel Ark, A-R-K, I think her name is. She was talking about how if you're interviewing someone, it takes almost eight seconds for the subject to be able to sit with the question and have an honest, informed, spontaneous, truly spontaneous answer to arise that's not part of a rehearsed pattern. So she was really advocating for the allowing of spaciousness. And that's, uh, it's, it, you know, it's difficult to do because we're, we're not, we don't practice that very much. It's very right? uncomfortable as I'm Just, interrupting you. It's very <laughs> uncomfortable because I think we all know that in that space, what can come up, all the things that need to come up will come up mm. and maybe we want to suppress that. Maybe not go there. Yeah, that's a, that's a great insight. Like, like keep, it, keep it busy so that, um, yeah. We don't have to deal with it. Right. No, the, uh, the stillness, spaciousness, and silence uh, can be really uncomfortable. Uh, and that, you know, that's one of the reasons why we, made, um, why we made Now Tone Therapy is uh, in three minutes, it gives a complete life cycle. You know, it allows people to experience a complete life cycle of... of um, emptiness, stillness, then a sort of inspired intention to act, then from stillness emerges sounds. Those sounds vary and change over time, as all forms do, and then those sounds fade away, as all forms do, and return to uh, stillness again. So we, we made something that in three minutes, you know, the most... <laughs> It, this is a hardware device, right? It's a hardware meditation device, two little speakers you hold in your hands, um, but it's really an experience, and it's an experience of, of uh, a life cycle uh, over and over again, and, and we made it only three minutes long, and then the, the question, the most popular question we always get is, I love this, and I want it to last longer. This is like the conundrum of life, isn't it? <laughs> Like when your life is going good, you want the life to live. To be, I want more of that good life, and then when it's not going so well, I would like prefer not to have this particular life right now. So we we made now in three minutes to give you a complete life cycle of a stillness, emerging form, and then form that fades and returns to stillness. And if you and if we made it continuous, without the ending gap, without that ending uh, into return to stillness, we. We would not have made something that is true. And one of the over, overriding experiences with tone therapy is that there is a kind of truth that comes through. There are multiple truths, but there's um, this emerging from nothing, returning to nothing is true. That's a kind of truth. And it's experienced as truth. Now, were you also inspired? I know that uh, there are certain practices of meditation that, you know, they bang a gong and you're supposed to focus on the sound and then the sound obviously fades away and that, that's like your entry point to a meditation. You can say no. <laughs> He's thinking. Um, uh, short answer, no. Uh, long, long, longer answer. Um, I uh, was trained and practiced as an audio product design engineer for many years. Mm -hmm. And so after you uh, breadboard a circuit and you build it out and then you, um, then you run some signals through it, 
and then you listen to the result of that circuit. Uh, the, the kind of work that I was doing was for motion picture sound, and this is back in the analog days, and um, uh, analog noise reduction circuits uh, to keep the sound of the, the, the clicks and pops and his and haze of a motion picture optical soundtrack from getting in the way of the, of the speech and the music. So I was mm-hmm. working on noise reduction systems. Uh, and, and one aspect of my, my job was to listen to the effect of the circuits I had built. And that meant listening and following sounds all the way down into the background haze of the optical soundtrack or magnetic tape recording medium in those days. And I realized that when I followed sound so intensely like that, Mm-hmm. In the context of my job as an audio engineer, in the right. context of, of you know designing products and uh, and listening to them, that I found, I found I could not be thinking at the same time as I as listening. If I was truly bringing an intentional attention to listening, right. I could not be thinking at the same time. And then only years later did I say, whoa, wait a minute. That sort of matches up with some of the checkboxes of what meditation is. Wow. You know, an intentional, an intentional, fo- an intentional non-judgmental focus on the present moment. Michael. But in my case, in, in, my case, in, the, in the oral dimension. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's one of the reasons music is so healing. I think most songs are three minutes or... I, I actually, I looked it up. It's three minutes and 20 seconds or most songs. And lately, um, I read that it's now 20 seconds shorter these days. Yeah. And I wonder if that's because people just don't have the attention span. Or- See, it, it, and when I, was, when I was a pup in the, in the 60s, uh, there was, you know, uh, progressive music, you know, the FM radio, progressive rock, right? <laughs> Uh, the, the song Sweet, the eight or nine or 12 minute extended version that mm-hmm. would then be cut and you know, you'd make a three minute and 20 second single version of that. So, yeah, there, there are these different uh, oh, um, uh, forms, form uh, durations. Uh, the pop song, three minutes, three classic pop song or symphonic um, form, much longer. Uh, but they but they both have, you know, start, uh, evolution and ending. A- and... Um, yeah, so connecting with uh, the impermanence that, you know, the arising from nothing and to, and to hearing something and it, that something changes and then something goes away. Uh, I, I used to love, you know, I'd have a, you know, get your favorite 45 RPM record and say, man, I will just leave that thing on all day long. And it will mm-hmm. just go over and over and over and over again. Totally. I love that so much. But, yeah. but at least there was a little bit of gap between the successive plays. Um, right. That favorite record right now question Mm -hmm. audio engineer (laughs) the loudness wars do you think that those are serving us or not serving us like phil Spector popularized the whole making everything louder and all the artists were like make it louder and so what do they call it but what is that scale it's like d there's like a dr number like dynamic range i think it might stand for Mm. and the higher the number the more actual quiet to loud happens the whole crescendos how do you feel about like popular music and the loudness wars uh you know i came across a a quote this morning of uh walt whitman and he said something like um am i contradictions well 
I am I am everything. So so be it <laughs> with contradiction. Uh, so my answer <laughs> is, uh, yeah, uh, loudness wars, good and bad. Aggressive use of compression. That's the the type of um, circuit that that reduces loud sounds to the mid-range and brings quiet sounds up to the mid-range to mm-hmm. meet them. It helps with intelligibility of speech. So it's a good technique for speech where you're really trying to focus on the voice and maybe there's some background noise in the place where you're where you're listening. Uh, uh, road noise, you're in a car. So mm-hmm. FM radio or a, even AM, going back to the days of AM radio. Loudness compression is almost essential. Uh, early days of telephony. Telephony, uh, mm-hmm. you know, com- compress the the dynamic range to emphasize the volume aspects of the voice that are key to intelligibility. So it's good when it's used in music. It can be used as a musical effect. And some of the earliest um, uses of compression, aggressive compression, dynamic range reduction mm-hmm. in um, in pop music would be like some of the earlier Beatles. Well, from the time of uh, let's say uh, Rubber Soul, Beatles Rubber Soul '66 late 65 recordings when the drum recordings of Ringo's drums were heavily compressed so you would get this the the kick drum would slam in and then there would be this reduction in volume following the kick drum hit and then there would be a rapid swelling back up in between the kick drum beats and what would happen is you'd get a a cymbal sound that would was quite unlike a normal cymbal normally when you hit a cymbal you hear the pang crash decay but these early recordings of uh, of Ringo's drum kit uh, and with only two mics with heavy heavy compression you'd get a you get a swelling of a cymbal that was like like a backward sound so like then you're hearing um oh my god the world has gone backwards or something is, you know, in, in, in the middle of this beat is a part that seems like it's backwards. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a beautiful use of, uh, of compression. Now, the, the worst use of compression is when you take the entire song, the entire production, and, and smash that down so that there's almost no moment-to-moment amplitude variation. You know, maybe a dB or two of amplitude variation so that it slams and um, the... the the um, broadcast channel, the recording channel, uh, in an attempt to make that song appear to be louder than those songs around it. But when everyone does it, there's no difference, right? So you haven't achieved the end of standing out. You've, You've just literally leveled the playing field amongst all the participants. So that's a that's uh, that's the answer. So uh, di- dynamic range and and processing, um, yeah, good, yeah, good, bad, and ugly, right? Speaking of good, bad, bad, and ugly, I have a question to pose. I have my own theories, but not really. I would love your take on technically, scientifically, vibrationally, why sounds affect us the way they do. For example, the good. You know, hearing a good sound that will soothe you or hearing a piece of music that for three minutes makes your ego mind be quiet so you can totally just listen without having your own input. And I think that's why music can be so moving because it takes you out of yourself and Mm -hmm. into the wider spectrum of the universe. But, and then you hear sounds like, 
I heard about the government's having a certain sound wave that can destroy somebody. Remember, Matt, we would watch, it was a couple years ago how they would, like one force would out in the ocean point the sound at a ship that would make them go crazy. Right. You know, what is it about sound? It's this other realm. Sound as it, as it relates to us as human beings connecting with one another and understanding one another or the other way around making us fight each other mm, um, mm-hmm. or causing harm to our bodies. And then there's also sound. There, there's sound therapy, sound baths. There are these sounds that actually will heal cells. What is it? It's it's really, oh, it's like diving into the ocean with discovering yeah, all these things that we're not aware of yet, you know? Yeah. it's. Um, I'll try to give um, a short short answer. Um, and, uh, and, and to make the answer shorter, I'm going to put aside um, um, idiomatic expression um, of sounds. So let's group music that has genres. New Age music, jazz, hip-hop, rock, rap, whatever. All, wrap it all up in one balloon and put it to the side for a moment so, so that we can concentrate on the more abstract qualities of sound and not the idiomatic expression that's culturally uh, informed. So I'm not responding to music because I, it's from the place and time of my birth and early childhood. It's, it's, you know, it's comforting to me because it reminds me of home or it reminds me of a certain <clears throat> being a certain age. So let's take all of that aside, because all, but that's all true. That's all true. But, but my work and my understanding comes through the empirical work that I've done with more abstract sound and the basic physical dimensions of sound, that is amplitude, how loud or soft, uh, frequency, how high or how low, uh, uh, and uh, timbre, which is another word for, for tone, that is the tone quality. Is it buzzy or is it uh, more uh, flute-like, uh, simple, simple sine waves? And then how, do those, uh, how are those qualities uh, combined together? Um, and then how do they change over time? Um, now, when you, you opened the, the show by talking about Santa Monica and the ocean, and uh, this is something, you know, this is a sound that a lot of people are familiar with, this crashing waves or even lapping water. That's, um, that is broadband sound. It's a lot of frequencies all at the same time mashed up together that the ear interprets as a shh. Right? It's a lot of different frequencies. You don't recognize any one particular frequency in, in a noise source like that, broadband noise source. And, and noise doesn't mean, um, and here I'm just saying, using it as an engineering term, noise, uh, without any uh, value judgment attached to it. So it's just a broadband signal that we would call noise. The opposite of that would be a single tone, like you would hear from a Tibetan bowl as you were uh, scraping the, the striker around the, the outside of the bowl. More, more pure tone sound. Um, <laughs> so we have, we have um, noise. So there's a continuum between noise and um, pure tone. 
And both of those types of sounds can affect us psychologically because there can be some truths. The, the sounds that are impactful, I think, the sounds that are impactful are expressions of truth. And then our soul and mind resonates to truth. You, you know, when someone lies to you, there's a discomfort that's associated with that, this shared knowing that the, the person knows that they're lying and it comes across in their voice. And then you know that they're lying and, and you know that they know that you know. So the whole thing is a big ball of discomfort. And, you know, we've lived through and we're currently living through we, um, a lot of the chaos of disinformation and lack of truth. So music and sound is a way for us to parse our way through an intentional misuse of sound to obscure and to confuse and to sow chaos. You know, the former president would not have been elected had so many of us given that person attention and, and listened to that person's sound. Right. You know, we, we're, we're all somewhat complicit and bringing our attention uh, to lies. There is. Well, you would, you would think that, oh my God, lies have to be called out and, and, and uh, reacted to. Well, no, that feeds the monster. Let us, let's, you know, uh, my work uh, is an attempt to say, well, here's truth. Let's, let's bundle up all the lies and turn our backs to them, turn our backs to that profanity and inhabit truth and see how that feels. Right. That's where, how do you... And, and that's where we... And that's, so when people say, well, now makes me really... Now tone therapy really gets me relaxed. Well, in part, that's because you're not getting lied to. How do you do that, though? How do you turn your back on it? Yeah, it, it, it has a nasty habit of, unless you call it out for what it is, it has a nasty habit of just being repeated and echoed and echoed and echoed. In your own mind. Sometimes, in yes, and spirit. sometimes just in popular culture. Or, yeah, well, uh, to, to Fawn's question, how do you tune that out? Well, it's practice. Um, this, is, this is another type of uh, mindfulness practice, that you have to have an intention. You have to willfully use your attention. You know, bring. And I'm always combining the word attention with an A and intention. You have to have an intention to listen attentively, and to direct your attention, because. Um, um, but to interact. This is free will. We how? have a free. We have. We have a free. We have the free will to do this. How do we do that? You can substitute it, but something else. To begin, wow! You can uh, get a singing bowl. If you play an instrument, pluck a string on an instrument or blow so, a tone and, and uh, hum to yourself. So causing an interference. With mm, no, I wouldn't call it an interference. I would call it um, focus, a, a shift in focus as an aid. These are aids to give the mind another form object to alight upon and doing that intentionally. Free will is something that uh, it's like a muscle, <laughs> right? Uh, you can, sometimes you want to exercise your free will and other times you don't. You know, I know that I have this problem. Well, I know what my, I know what, you know, my, my true essential self would, consciousness would have me do, but then there is like, 
well, let me just dip my toe into this mess over here and see, <laughs> and see, and see how that feels. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I totally get it. Sometimes I'll wake up and first thing in the morning, my brain just starts spinning. And if I wake up too early and I know I'm going to mm. be tired all day, mm. I don't want to think. I just want to go back to sleep, for instance. And so I will turn on uh, and listen to something. And, you know, that kind of sets my kind of higher mind, my thinking mind, starts to quiet down and starts to quiet down. And finally, then I can go back to sleep. Mm. You know, and it, it's just a question of I'm just not ready to spin it all up yet. It this all kind of reminds me of when we had our first child and that's Elle. Elle would be crying and crying and crying and I would do everything in my power to ease the situation, ease her. You know, I would start from the basics like, is it a diaper? Is it a burp? Is it? There's something tight on her, like her clothes don't fit or whatever, all that. And nothing would work and she'd still be crying. And are you, so is this kind of like on on the realm of sound changing things up? So I, I, I said interference, but Matt will like call it cutting your key in martial arts. So Matt would take Elle and he would take her into another room or take her out in nature like remove her from that situation give her a different perspective different mm -hmm. sounds different temperature different environment yeah. going back to communication and maybe you're hearing a lie usually i know when someone is lying when i can feel a gap in my brain like they're talking but it doesn't make sense on some other level, on a deep, deep level, where there, I, I, there's a gap, like there's a, there's just a gap is all I can describe it as. Um, there's a point in time where there's nothingness, and to to get at the truth, my question was, how do we, how do we do that? How do we get to the truth? Do we dive into that gap where there's nothingness, where in your brain? There's no sound. Well, you have, um, you know, you suggest a good way to do it, which was paying attention to your body signals. And this is easier for, for some people than others. You know, for, for people who are, it, it's not my first mode, right? Paying attention to my body and, and my emotions. It's, you know, it's, I, it's partially gendered. Um, you know, it can be developed. We can all develop that. So, yeah, paying attention to what your body, how does it feel in the gut? How does it, right? Tension, no tension. Yeah, so I think you're 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 certainly right about about recognizing what the body is doing. It's so weird because I don't consider my brain as part of my body. When you're saying that, I'm like, <laughs> it's not in my body, Michael. It's in my brain. <laughs> oh, the dear. brain is the body. Isn't that weird though? I just realized that. But yeah, there's a there's a yeah. I have to get back into that space. Like what? I always say this, I always have, when I'm talking to someone on the phone, I can always tell when they're not listening because I find myself shouting or my <laughs> voice goes up and I'm trying to get louder. And as soon as I catch myself doing that, I'm like, oh man, this person is not listening to me. Mm. So, you know, but I can't put blame on that because I think we're in society now 
in such a way that we all have so much uh, pain. And it, you can describe it as not pain. You can describe it as there's so much that needs attention and we mm. all haven't had attention placed on the things that desperately need it. So that's mm -hmm. why people interrupt each other because they desperately want to be heard. And yeah. they desperately also want to be hearing the other person. But if, if we're both, if both sides are having such um, turmoil in a way, maybe that's not the right word. Matt just raised his eyebrows up because I'm sure that's not what I, he would say. <laughs> he says, I tend to get negative with my descriptions. But what I'm saying is, I think we're all experiencing so much and we, it, it's a give and take. And right now we need to speak. We need to have our sounds need to be expressed and released. At the same time, I think we're in a culture where there's so much coming at us, where we're hearing so much and we're seeing so much and all of our senses are on overload that the basic sound, the basic thing is the sound. And I think if we start from there, I think that will start some, some healing is if we go back to quiet and then slowly introduce, reintroduce sound to each other. If we go back into the quiet and really listen to ourselves and then we're able to listen to the birds outside. We're able to listen to a new friend standing in front of us to understand what they're really saying mm -hmm. instead of putting our own baggage, our own history into what they're saying. Do you guys see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. Um, no argument. I mean, we're certainly, our brains are getting reprogrammed to be like these multitasking monsters. And it's hard for us to focus solely on one thing at a time anymore because we don't have to. I've got my computer and I can Google this while I'm talking to that. And I can see this and I can listen to that. And I can do a million things at once. And, you know, I think on some level, it does our does our senses a service, but on another level, it doesn't. It makes it harder to be quiet and still. And I think we should go yeah. back to in utero, you know, like hearing that ocean sound when you're in the womb. And well, you know, to to, to stay on this idea of truth and truth being um, comforting and untruth not being comforting, um, I'm a comfortably lapsed um, Roman Catholic. And um, so I'm, I don't have any problem like using the Christian terminology and mythology. Um, so you can substitute whatever your favorite words are for these concepts. But, you know, in the beginning, before there was anything, and then there was something, and then what happened? Um, God said. See, the first thing that happened was God speaking. First is nothing. Then God speaks. Then God creates light. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, it, like so. So there's it's it's really kind of huge when you think that, um, and light is what we uh, use to um, to be able to perceive forms. You know, objects, object right. forms, um, sound sound objects. We are, are are a bit more ephemeral because they are truly not fixed in form. They're they're moving through time. They're constantly evolving through time. So they're less like they're less like a form than they are like energy. So I like to remind myself that before there was anything, before there was light and physical objects, there was sound. And before there was sound, there was nothing. 
Wow. So you, you can kind of work your way back to, to silence and then that, uh, uh, the experience of um, that, that stillness. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Greg Braden and Joe Dispenza. And I was, I spent like a week long time with Greg Braden in one of his workshops. And we were concentrating on sound. And he, he kept emphasizing that as creatures, we are, he said we are unique. I really don't think so because I think every creature makes sound. But he was talking about how your sound, your ability to vocalize something, manifest things. And because we can create sound from mm-hmm. from this area, the throat, that it is a it is a tool that will manifest things in physical form. I, I tend to think every creature will do that, right? Birds will do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. know where I'm getting at? Like, I just think... Like, you got to be careful with that manifestation stuff, you know. It, it works. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, because you hear all the time if you speak it out loud. That's the first step. Well, well the first could, step is know, the quiet. Can, I'm sorry, go can, ahead. You can manifest, you know, you can manifest, the ego can manifest quite well, too. And then that's going to be a boatload of pain eventually. Well, it depends, right? Because, you know, I would say almost on a most primordial level, a bird will make noise in order to announce that they're there, and then a mate shows up, and then da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, that's a very straight line, very scientific way of looking at things. You know, versus, you know, <laughs> I imagine I have a winning lottery ticket and boom, it's right there. To comp- it, it, And that feels more mystical. And yet, you know, the birds, it, it's just how it works. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When you, when you get to the level of the human where we have conscious intention, it can, we can load that manifestation activity or the gap. Uh, Deepak Chopra likes to say it's like insert the intention in between the gap and thoughts or prep the intention with a gap and then into that a gap of no thinking and then into that gap insert an intention and then and then boom you know you've you've kind of loaded your intention with that manifestation you've loaded the manifestation with an intention that's more conscious so yeah we so we're not bird like in that way Mind the gap. Remember? Mind the gap. Mind the gap. <laughs> Mind the gap. Have you been to... That's great. I, I love that one. Isn't well, it great? Lo- it just reminds me of London when yeah. I would get on the tube. What, what did they call it? I don't remember what they called it, but the train, you the know? The underground. The underground. And you would always hear that voice come up and it would say, mind the gap. <laughs> and I wonder how many, you know, what percentage of people actually did mind the gap. <laughs> I did when I was there. I was like, I don't want to get hurt. But yeah, I think I think the first 20 times you hear it, you certainly hear it. But then I think after a while, it just kind of blends into your reality and you know what you're doing. So yeah, in China, it's funny. They they, they don't tell you to mind the gap. They tell you quite, uh, quite clearly to step back from from the from the, uh, from the train. And they have uh, right on the floor, they've got um um, you know, stand here. Even before COVID, they, they would, you know, painted on the floor would be the footsteps. So you stand here, you stand there and say, uh, and <laughs> that's really interesting, you know, because, um, you know, it's a bit more of an authoritarian, if we're just going to compare um, day in the life in London, day in the life in, uh, in Shenzhen or Beijing, it's a bit more author- authoritarian. 
uh, experience um, in in China. Uh, so so rather than this allowing, you know, the the, the in 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 Britain, uh, the the subway safety message of minding the gap, which is a beautiful double entendre, right? Uh, the, mind the physical gap, and maybe you might want to consider paying attention to what your mind is doing in the gap in between thoughts, or pay, right? Um, but in but in China, <laughs> they say don't go there. <laughs> I was do, wondering do where you were. Do <laughs> not don't go there. Oh, Lord. Oh my God, it's so true. And there, you know what? Now I get it, and it's quite beautiful. Sometimes we, we you will, need to hear we that. We will take care. We will take care of that gap for you. No, yeah, but, maybe, yeah. but you know what? Sometimes you need to hear that. Don't go there because yeah. I can easily go into this messed up memory or messed up thing. Yeah. You know, just yeah. don't go there. Oh, Someone Lord. has to tell me just that. See, I'm just laughing because every time like we start talking over a movie, because that's what we do uh, as, as a household. And, and my wife is like, can you guys please be quiet? Because I, I want to hear this. Then we all yell, don't go in there. Because that's something you yell during a horror movie, right? Like, you know, the stupid heroine is about to walk in and, and encounter the, the you know, the, our antagonist. Uh, I used to watch movies in peace and quiet. And no, I am no, grateful. No. I'm grateful I have a family. <laughs> However, looking at a movie, it's just the movie experience I haven't had in many years. Because these guys will just talk. I don't understand. Is is something happening to my hearing that I can't listen and hear at the same time? Like I can't hear the movie and hear you guys at the same time? Are you guys able to hear what's going on in the movie? No, of course not. I'm not paying attention to what's going on in so the movie. I'm playing. Oh my God. I'm clowning. That's what I do. I'm trying to watch a movie. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> That's what we do. Another thing that trips me out is when I, I hear politicians or I hear just anybody actually. When they start raising their voice, <laughs> like what is happening? <laughs> right. I don't trust the person that raises their voice. It just makes me feel like they're losing control or they're lying or they're trying to really push something they know is not right or pushing something that they know you don't think is right. So they're going to yell it. When someone has an even keel speaking voice, mm -hmm. Why is that so much better? Well, it, it depends on where your head is at, you know. Um, yeah, one of the unfortunate great lessons Adolf Hitler told us is a, a lie repeated loud enough, often enough, becomes truth in people's minds. Wow. Speaking with a calm, even voice, you have the opportunity to lose what I call the soundbite test. So if I can snip out like two seconds of what you've said, that totally contradicts what you've said, you lose. And that's where we are today in, in America. We're very much a soundbite mentality because we're kind of bumfawing through so many things at a given moment. So if I say something like, such and such is bad, and I don't really mean it or I mean it sarcastically, that meaning can still get lost because of somebody can slice out just that tiny soundbite. This, um, this, this challenge of... Um uh, linguistics, words, right? Subject, object, uh, language, and how and how loud or not loud language is spoken uh, is fascinated me for a long time, and I think that's in part what uh, brought me to this pure tone work that I do, which is um, carries truth 
but it's, it's, but not being carried by words. So it can be experienced as truth and not be um, rejected or um, the folks' radar don't go up as quickly. Um, so, I, so I think what we're able to do with, uh, with tone therapy in, these, in a very short period of time, and, and sometimes even just a fraction of a second, a few seconds, is convey a sense of truth that transcends the limitations of subject-object uh, language, duality, because it's so easy to be reactive to um, to the words he said, <laughs> and then he said. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, should I? Should we play? Should we play a little bit right now, Michael? Of uh, now? We we could. Yeah, uh, you're uh, ready. Ready. Okay. All right. Let's um, let's just take three minutes and listen um, to now um, the present moment and we'll and the way we can make this easier is by listening to um, a little meditation device a sound meditation device called now tone therapy uh, it, it takes just three minutes uh, to listen to this um, and all you have to do is um, bring an intention to listen attentively <clears throat> now it's natural for thoughts to arise and as they do, just notice that you have thoughts arising, but bring your attention, bring your attention back to the sounds, and um, enjoy the uh, enjoy the the gap between thoughts. You'll notice that, and that's a beautiful thing because uh, that's uh, that's your essential self. That is, what is noticing is consciousness, and um, let's uh, let's just give it a listen. Okay, here we go.
I like to have a big breath, you know, big release, and then and honor that space. And then gradually come back to the business at hand. It doesn't have to be long. Can I describe mm-hmm. what goes through my spirit? <laughs> mm-hmm. What I get from it is so... I had to remind myself to just focus on the sound and nothing else. And then I started to actually see waves, like when you throw a pebble into water and you see Mm. the rings expanding one by one. I saw that because I I was trying to close my eyes Mm -hmm. so I could really just focus on one thing, which was the sound. And it made me realize that that's the only way to really get to a healing state whether it's emotional healing, physical healing, because life is really quite simple if you allow for the focus on one thing to occur and not putting your attention and your focus on so many things at the same time. Because I think what happens is pieces of ourselves end up dispersing everywhere and we're not there. Like if, if you could imagine you're a whole thing and if one piece of you goes over here one piece of you goes in this other direction it's like you're exploding into space in all these different directions Mm -hmm. and you're not in the now and you're not in that one point in the universe and for anything to happen for your dreams to come true for you to be able to love for you to be able to see you have to Bring yourself into that one pinpoint part of the universe for for a little bit, and it's and it's apropos that this is called now. Did you mean for that to happen, Michael? Yeah, it has it has two two meanings, right? The present moment, and it's and also it's um an an acronym for new origin waveforms. So each moment is a, is a new moment being created and carried forward through sound waves new origin make, making a new moment so yeah the present moment and also new origin through waveforms i have i have a little story that will maybe help what i'm talking about is there was a moment i was on a photo shoot and i was going through something horrible there was it was uh there was some trauma there was um was actually a stalker was after me and I was out uh in the uh, what seemed like out in the middle of nowhere but it was where I worked the corporation I was working for it was there and um I had had a harrowing night actually the next morning so I went a night without sleep so much was happening I was under so much stress the next morning at 6 a.m. I was on a photo shoot. I was a photographer. And I was standing there. And this woman that I worked with, who worked for the corporation also, she was standing there. She was in management. So she was helping me with the photo shoot. And she knew what was going on. She knew what had happened. Everyone was on high alert in the building. And she looked at me. She smiled. And she said, Child of God, are you happy? First of all, for her to say child of God because I wasn't religious, was it tweaked me a little bit. And then for her to say, are you happy with a smile on her face? It really, uh, it really bothered me. Like, are you crazy? You know what, what's been happening. The whole building is like 
on alert and you're asking me if I'm happy. And I don't know what I said to her. I probably didn't say anything. I probably looked really confused and I was exhausted. And she said, she, she kept repeating that to me. And she knew, or maybe I said, are you crazy? And she said, look, right in this moment, right now. So she gave me these steps. She's like, right now, where are you standing? Right now, are you not standing in front of me? Right now, are you not in a room that is beautiful? Right now, are you not surrounded by people who are protecting you? Right now, don't you have everything that is making you, your body, everything comfortable? Right now, is it not peaceful? Right now, like she kept saying that, and she brought me to that precise moment that if you break it down if you keep breaking down right now right now right now everything else disappears and everything is okay if you go into that space of right now you can strip out everything else that is happening that is distracting and pulling you in different directions and i think that's what happens when you listen to this yeah, and it you know getting to right now then allows for the inspired thought that allows that can empower change or in the case of your story taking appropriate protective actions asking for help all of this can come uh, from a, a truly empowered uh, inspired moment so it's not passive it's really a, a still act it's still action and stillness really that being able to connect to the present moment doesn't mean that we don't that we can't function in the world we can function better actually absolutely better yeah. matt you're quiet yes why are you quiet just because you're in the now maybe <laughs> <laughs> well we know that sound is one of the key factors in creation first comes nothing then comes sound, and then comes what? The, the 10,000 things. Yes, the 10,000 things. But I would argue first comes thought, then comes sound, then comes... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You I know, agree. because you have to set your intention before you can... Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're getting metaphysical. <laughs> well, shall we continue this for another time? And leave it sure. here in mm -hmm. the peaceful... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Peaceful now? Then the peaceful now. Really, really nice uh, visit and a wonderful way to, to finish here and for me to start my day. Michael, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, thank wow. you for being with thank us. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you both. Yeah. I look forward to future conversations with you. There's so much to explore. Seems that way, doesn't it? It does. I think, I think this conversation really had so many facets we could have gone into yes that i really wanted to go into but i was trying to be quiet <laughs> me too actually <laughs> i don't like it when you're quiet Matt. i know but you know you did shush me at one point <laughs> i did that was the ocean waves so. <laughs> that was not a, a a mother lovingly shush oh <laughs> <laughs>
I, I would like to uh, swap some stories around, um, uh, you know, place as a teacher. And we can, we can do that another time. I love that idea that, uh, you know, Santa Monica is a teacher. There, there are many different kinds of teachers. We can talk about, we can have a whole conversation around teachers and students, different kinds of teachers. Absolutely. And I love that places can be teachers. For me, read flutes. Are, are teachers, and uh, I'll, I'll try to paraphrase the uh, the classic Rumi uh, poem. Uh, you know the reed flute, which which is, oh my God, I'm speaking to uh, a woman f- f- that is, should be quite familiar with the reed flute. I, uh, the I was going to say, well, Rumi's nay. my family. <laughs> yeah. So the, these reeds grow by the side of uh, where it's moist by the side of a, a stream. And um, they, they reach up to the heavens, they, the flowers uh, catch the, the light, and they, the, the roots are in the ground. So it's really a, a beautiful conduit between the sky and the earth. And when these reeds are picked and dried and then f- shaped into flutes, the, the sound that they make when you play a, a reed flute, and I believe this Rumi poem is called the, sound of the, the Song of the Reed Flute, uh, it's a very mournful timbre. And that's because the reed flute remembers its uh, right relationship between the sun and the earth and its relationship to its brethren. And it longs for all of that together is the beloved. So it, it longs for the sun. It longs for its feet to be in the ground. It longs to be next to its brethren in the reed grove. And the sound and the, and the music that comes from the reed flute is quite uh, poignantly, um, has a quite poignant longing uh, timbre. Nice. That's beautiful. So that's a teacher, you know. That's, so the reed flutes for me, I used to make these things. Uh, I found them, I found them growing up in, in the coastal Maine when my daughters and I and were on vacation and when they were very young and I started making these flutes and so they became, the flute itself, the reed itself taught me how to make a flute and then through playing them there's other kinds of learnings that come in from those teachers. So there are plant teachers, there are place, you know, city teachers, that's all kinds of teachers. Definitely. The squirrel outside has been my teacher for the past year. What, be greedy mm. and get fat? No, the squirrel <laughs> comes up and I just learned so much from the squirrel. Like, just keep, you know, just simple. Keep play and they survive out there. Here we are inside. It gets negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit out here. And they're still like chill, you know. They they move on with life and they're still cute and happy and bouncing around and playing mm-hmm. all the time. There is that. Before we go, I'm going to ask you a question, both of you. Michael, you first. What is your favorite sound in the world? My favorite sound in the world is a sound I never get to hear because I'm, uh, I have a tinnitus, which is you know, described as ringing Aww. in the ears. You hear tones all the time. It came on very, very gradually, I think, as a result of the kind of audio, loud audio right. work I did early in my career. Uh, and uh, I no longer hear silence. Right. So um, that would be my favorite sound, would be the sound of silence. Wow. How about you, Matt? Yeah. Wow. As he said it, it's like, you know, that moment we have air purifiers and they run all the time in the house for the most part. But there's a moment where I take the air purifier out of our bedroom and I move it into our study for so I can begin my day. Uh, and that moment where I unplug it and I can, I can feel the whole world just kind of go, 
<sighs> like everything, mm. everything's quiet. And sometimes I'll turn off the air purifier by the girls, and I, I literally I can feel a shift in their energy. Just like we can exhale. Everything <gasps> just kind of just settles. Mm. Yeah. My favorite sound I have too is you guys laughing. That's a good sound. The laughter of our children and the laughter mm. of Matt. I was going to go that way, but there's a there's a visual component for me as well. And I have another sound, and I want to know what the visual component is. I just want to finish. Is The other thing is when I reach out and I hear a friend talking back to me on the other end. That is a lifesaver right there. True. And it's not fair because I'm the one who asked the question, so I had time to think about it while you guys were talking. <laughs> but when I need to hear someone's voice to let me know I'm not alone, when mm. I, I, my mind goes into that lie of I'm all alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was the visual component you were oh, talking Oh, just about? there's a brightness in the laugh, right? And I'll see that on, especially Elle's face, but I'll see that on everyone's face as they're laughing all of a sudden. But it's, it's like a little spotlight has shined on their faces. There's a, there's a glint in the eye. There's the, there's the compression of the cheek into the smile, right? Um, so it's, there's a visual, because I was thinking the exact same thing, but it's, it's the two of them together. Strictly sound, it's that shoo. You know what it is? It's a word, it's a term you used when I first met you. It's a divine spark. Hey, oh, right. Yes, it is very much. It is kind of this connection. It feels like a connection with something higher. All right, everybody, we're going to wind it down. Thank you so much, Michael, for being with us today. And uh, you're very welcome, folks. Uh, great to be here. And everyone, we are going to have a link to the now. So you can hear more and you can figure out where you can get your hands on these things. They're amazing. They're like, they are, is, I've never been near a hockey puck, but is this what it looks like, Matt? I think a hockey puck's a little bit flatter and maybe a little bit wider, but um, so the company is called Solu, S-O-L-U, and it's the now, and it's two speakers. It's and this is, cool. this is not a commercial, guys. This is like us for real loving this device um we'll put more into our show notes about it michael thank you so much again and friends we will talk to you in a few days yes we will stay in the now take care we'll talk to you later thank you